Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. <clears throat> this day after Hanukkah. Human nature, I've learned, is such that we cannot help but judge our own lives and our own experiences in real time. We are constantly evaluating every moment that we're in as good or bad, pleasant or unpleasant. This is the basic primary lens with which we experience our lives. And my guess is that consciously or not, you've already made dozens of judgments this morning. Like you woke up to maybe a loud alarm clock, unpleasant. Or maybe you got into a nice warm shower already, ah, pleasant. You realize that you forgot to make your cold brew last night, and so I did not have any coffee this morning. Unpleasant. You turned on your Zoom and you're listening to my voice. I hope you think that's pleasant. Anyway, there's an ancient Jewish spiritual practice called Musar that dates back to the ninth century. Musar cautions against this constant evaluation and judgment of our experiences of the here and now. Musar teaches that as soon as you begin to evaluate or judge a moment as pleasant or as unpleasant, as good or bad, you're no longer fully living in it. You've already moved on to trying to control it or to plan for the next moment. When we decide something is pleasant, like perhaps eating a bite of very good cake. Mmm, pleasant. A part of us is already no longer just enjoying the experience or the cake, but thinking already about how can we get more cake? I want to get this next bite. We greedily seek to replicate every pleasant experience. And as soon as we do that, we're kind of no longer in that one bite. And when we decide something is unpleasant, like getting stuck in traffic in Midtown during the holidays, maybe that's something you can relate to, a part of us begins to focus on our suffering and we immediately start to think, how can we get this experience to end or to make sure this never happens again? Rather than being present in the experience and understanding how it might teach us patience or help us pay attention to something we wouldn't have otherwise. Musar teaches us that seeing everything as good or bad, judging it as pleasant or unpleasant, inhibits our ability to be present in the here and now. It moves us out of the experience and into some theoretical future where we either try to get more of or less of that experience. Moreover, when we make judgments about our experience of the present, we lack the benefit of perspective because we do not know how that moment fits into the longer arc of our lives or our evolution or our growth. Because sometimes what appears to be bad can be good and what appears to be good can be bad. Take, for instance, the protagonist of our Torah portion this week, Joseph. We are at a culminating 
peak part of the Joseph story. But I'll give you a little rundown of his life and the way that we might typically have judged it along the way. So Joseph was the most beloved of Jacob's 12 sons. He got special treatment and gifts from his father for being the favorite, including a coat of many colors. Mm, pleasant. But this favoritism and Joseph's embrace of his own superiority makes his brothers despise him. They throw him in a pit and they leave him there to die. Unpleasant. Joseph, though, is saved. He begins working for the powerful Egyptian named Potiphar, who trusts Joseph enough to leave him in charge of everything in his house. Pleasant. But once he was left alone with Potiphar's wife, she tries to seduce him. And when he resists her advances, she falsely accuses him of sexual assault and he gets thrown into jail. Unpleasant. Once in jail, Joseph's amazing ability to interpret dreams leads him eventually to the Pharaoh himself and Joseph's prophecy of Egypt's seven-year famine allows the Egyptians to prepare during their seven years of plenty, saving enough food to rescue all of Egypt and even the rest of the region and Joseph's own family. Pleasant. Finally, the moment we're at in this week's Torah portion, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, the ones who had thrown him into that pit and sold him into slavery. And here he has an opportunity to get revenge. But instead, Joseph forgives them, uttering one of the most remarkable lines in the whole Torah. He says to them, now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you in order to save lives. That takes a very high level of, I don't know, spiritual perspective. But in that moment, Joseph understands that everything in his life, the pleasant and unpleasant, the good and the bad, propelled him toward his destiny that all of his experiences contributed to his evolution and growth, not only allowing him to fulfill his life's purpose, but helping him become a leader who is no longer the kind of person who seeks revenge, but instead can open his heart to gratitude. Now, most of our lives are not as dramatic as Joseph's, but we have all had moments when we have found ourselves in a pit of despair, when we have been imprisoned, maybe by a bad relationship or the wrong job or by an addiction or by an illness. We've all had times when we've experienced maybe unwanted advances. And we've also, I hope, all known great joy and favor. We may reach unexpected levels of success, had opportunities to perform great kindnesses, or to express gratitude, or to forgo revenge. Now, we could look back on all these chapters and describe them as feeling obviously good or maybe overwhelmingly bad, as pleasant or unpleasant in the moment. But Joseph shows us that that isn't the point. The central purpose of all of our experiences in life 
is really to cultivate our souls so that we can each fulfill our own destiny on earth. Musar teaches us that we each have our own unique spiritual curriculum born out of our own sufferings and challenges, as well as the great gifts and advantages that we've each had in our lives. And often the hardest and most painful chapters in our lives are when we grow the most. And often our greatest successes lead to challenges we never anticipated and can be the biggest test of our egos. So what is on your spiritual curriculum? What challenges are you facing? What successes are you trying to take in? And what do each of those things have to teach you? How does this experience, this moment in my life, help bring my soul to more wholeness and more holiness? That's my invitation for us to think about today. So if you're not already in a comfortable seat, I invite you to settle in, become aware of your body and your breath, relax anything that might be a little tight, check your jaw, your fingers, your toes, your forehead. Don't clench anything, soften it. Take a deep breath in with your eyes open, gently fluttered open. And as you breathe out, slowly close your eyes and go a little deeper into yourself. With our eyes closed, let's offer up our gratitude that we have another day to work on our spiritual curriculum. I thank you, God, for the gift of this day. If you'd like to have a mantra, I might suggest Yosef. That's Joseph's name in Hebrew. But Yosef also comes from the word to add. So I invite you, instead of looking at everything you're doing in your life and saying, is this good or bad? Is this pleasant or unpleasant? To say, what does this experience add to my own understanding? Yosef, can we just keep adding these experiences into our lives, allowing ourselves to be fully present in whatever that moment has to teach us and give us? This is the cultivation of a spiritual mindset. Okay, so I'm going to give you some time, and I don't want you to mind the time. We take time together.
Hine matumanaim, shevet achim gam yachai. Hine matumanaim, shevet achim gam yachai. Hine shevet achim gam it's a bit of an ironic ending to our meditation today because that means how good and how pleasant it is. But for brothers and sisters to sit together in peace, I hope we can find all of that today. Have a blessed day. See you next week.